The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. God dang, you're over there just being different. Boys and girls, this is what I deal with every fucking day. She's a freak. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the freaking nature, Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. What? What did I do? You're over there making weird what? faces like you're from a UFO well, or something? Because I nodded yes, and then you kept looking at me like I was stupid, so I had not a beat yes. Because you were like over there making weird faces and everything. You kind of scared me a no, whole lot. I was looking at this picture trying to see something. <laughs> hi, so, everybody. See what I, the abuse I put up with. I want to tell everybody the story of how I realized this was just this week that I'm a 13-year-old ma- uh, boy caught in a 48-year-old man's body. And then we'll get to your Jack Unterweiger guy. Unterweiger. Yeah, whatever his name is. So um, for those of you that know, don't, don't know, I drive a lot. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks, And I love horror. And I'm listening to an anthology, which I love anthologies. And uh, the narrator's talking about a woman, and she's in a cave by herself because she's like, exploring the cave for treasures and he says then she said i've been in tighter holes than this and i get to laughing then he said then she said if the shaft is too long i'll pull out now i'm dying i am just dying i pulled to the side of the road i got tears coming out of my eyes my ribs and stomach are hurting my jaws hurting and then i farted Which oh, wait, and then he me. called me to tell me all about it. Oh, no, we'll get to that part. Oh. And I got, I, I, it scared me so bad. It was a, like the, the, the fart that sneaks up on you, like a ninja fart. Yeah, I've had one of those. And I actually screamed in my truck. Went, ah! And now I'm laughing at everything, including the fart. It takes me a good 20 solid minutes to wipe my eyes dry, get my composure back, not be in pain. And I start down the road, and I'm driving, and that's when it hit me. I said, Jesus Christ. I'm not an adult. I'm a 13-year-old, immature kid stuck in a 48-year-old man's fucking body. That's what I am. Because to me, that was hilarious. So, of course, I had to call Tammy over here and go, check this shit out. I got a story for you. Yeah, you go, check this shit out. I just figured out I'm a 13-year-old in an adult body. I said, just now figured it out. Apparently, everybody... Apparently, everybody knew my in my maturity level more than I did. Scott, it's all we have to do is talk to you for five minutes. No, uh, that is not true. I no. can't hear you. You're not my mommy. You eat boogers. <laughs> Kicking my cup and going Remember home. Dinosaurs? Not the mama. Not the mama. <laughs> yep. All right. You gave me Jack Unterweger. Weger. Weger. Okay, he's Austrian. It's pronounced Unterweger. Yeah, whatever. But I don't like his it's name. Per- it's spelled Unterweger or Unterweger, but it's Unterweger. <laughs> okay, Jack Underwear, go for it. Anywho, so the first time I heard about Jack Unterweger was on an episode of Ghost Adventures when they were actually uh, investigating the alleged hauntings at Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. Uh, according to the history they gave on him, I became eager to find out more about him and what he did. Like some of our past episodes that I've presented, I knew from the beginning I wanted to feature him at some point. Um, although I get into it a little bit later, he wasn't even 25 when he killed someone for the first time. Um, however, his criminal behavior started approximately a decade before 
And there have been many cases we have presented where it seems as if a person displays signs that seem to foreshadow the future actions. Yet despite how glaringly obvious it seems to us, those who could have stepped in ultimately chose to ignore it or justify it. Um, as it turns out, the, situ- the situation was no different when it came to him. Uh, but then again, like so many other serial killers before and after, his childhood was less than ideal. He didn't ha- seem to have any positive role models who he could look up to or who would hold him accountable for his actions. Now, before I give too much away too early, let's talk about, he's actually, his real name is actually Johan, but he goes by Jack, and the horrors he left in his wake. Okay? Did you say horrors or whores? Horror. Gotcha. Man, meant there I thought that this uh, podcast was taking a really weird turn. Well, it is a Friday, so. Mm, yes, it is. Thank me. I've got my ball guy. Well, see, for the long, for, when I first started reading about this, I didn't think he belonged on a Friday. But then there's uh, another part that's like, oh, yeah, definitely so. <laughs> um, so Johan Unterweger, uh, who would be who would go by Jack throughout his life, was born in Hudenberg, Austri- Austria. Hudenberg. Fucking Christ, what a place. Yeah, J-U-D-E-N-B-U-R-G. Where are you from? Hudenberg. Hudenberg. No, you're fired from talking and talking and about Downs. Born on August 16th, 1950. Now, his mother's name was Teresia, and reports indicate that she may have actually been a prostitute. Um, well, wait. His father was an American GI who, named Jack Becker, and he was stationed in Austria during the U.S. occupation of Austria that continued for a decade after World War II. So when I discovered that Jack was stationed, um, uh, the dad, was stationed overseas when he met Antwaga's uh, mom in Trieste. Is it Trieste? T-R-I-E-S-T-E? Or Trieste? Right. I don't know. I didn't have any difficulty believing she could have been a prostitute. Unfortunately, during the er- during that era, a lot of U.S. soldiers would sow their wild oats with sex workers while they were overseas. So then I was right. He left a whore in his wake. You 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 can relate to him, right? I'm not saying that I have been around the block a few times, but let's you just, just say, say you have some miles on your car, right? Let's just say it's a familiar fucking trip. <laughs> I think I'm going in circles. <laughs> let's say. Okay. So um, it also wasn't uncommon for them to get a prostitute pregnant. And as it turns out, Antoine was an only child who happened to also be illegitimate. Um, now, when he was two years old, his mother left him to be raised by his grandfather in Corinthia. Uh, the older man was an alcoholic serial philanderer who didn't even attempt to set a good example for this toddler. <laughs> Over the next few years, his grandfather wasted no opportunity to tell the child how worthless women were and how they were only to be used. 100% nurture. I'm not even five minutes into this. That, this one's easy. Because it's so on the surface. Yeah, it is like obvious. I wasn't even going to ask at the end, but I'm not even five minutes into it and you're arguing at the end. Not just obvious. This one has a flashing neon sign. It's textbook. Carol Cole wasn't even this This much This textbook, yeah. Yeah, this textbook. Nah. You know, uh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, no. And so um, there were also many times his grandfather would bring a prostitute home. And the guy didn't even care if his young grandson witnessed their sexual encounter. 
What so a his, dick. I mean, he'd be like having sex wherever with his two, three-year-old grandson just sitting around. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I'm, I've been known for my wild sex capades. That's where I draw the fucking line. Like, seriously. Yeah. You can't have fucking. It's bad enough when your child walks in on you. Yeah. Why would you sit there and do it in front of them? Yeah, that's, God, what a, what a yeah. pig, man. So, um, over the, oh, I did that. In 1958, when he was eight years old, he was sent to live with other family members. However, two short years after that, he wound up in the foster care system, and he was never much of a student. Therefore, it didn't come as a surprise to me that he failed school, and ultimately, he chose to leave early, despite never learning to read and write. Fuck, right? Man. So, Early on in his life, he showed signs he was heading down a path toward criminal activity and violence. For instance, he would get in trouble a minimum of 16 times during his teenage years. Most of the time, it was for assaulting sex workers, and when he was six years old, he got arrested and charged for pimping. Well, gee, I wonder where he got the idea that it's okay to assault sex workers. Yeah, or that's to sell a mystery. them. Yeah, that's, that's a freaking mystery right it there. It is, right there. We need a task force. <laughs> we need to have four task forces. There you go. Four Let's call, task forces. We should automatically right now be calling London and have him on yeah. this. We need Operation What the Fuck Ever. <laughs> they had Lee. They had, I don't know, like uh, uh, Poop Shoot or whatever the hell it was. Operation like. Trinity. Or fucking yeah, Trinity was one of them. Stupid shit. All trying to find the same dude. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So... In 1974, Unthweger committed his first murder while living in Austria. On that day, he and his girlfriend were driving around when they spotted 18-year-old Margaret Schaefer while she was walking along the side of the road. Now, the two, the, you know, Jack and his, Unthweger and his girlfriend were on the way to the house of his girlfriend's parents, um, who they actually intended to rob. So, therefore, it wasn't an inconvenience for them to pick up Margaret as well so they could rob her. Man, makes sense, you know. Yeah. Let's make a day of it. It's a, it's date night. They're gonna make a day of this shit. Go on a rob spree. Yeah, that's right. You know. Hey, honey, what do you want to do tonight? Well, first we're gonna rob my parents. Then we're gonna have a nice dinner and a uh, little massage. Massage. We'll make love a little bit, and then let's uh, let's. Hey, there's an 18 year old. Let's fucking grab her too. It's a... Oh shit, yo! I was looking for my antacids. I can't find them right now. Oh. Um. Now let's see here. Later, when he was alone with this girl, he acted on his sadistic urges. He chose to tie her up, then walked her into a wooded area, and when he was there, he beat her with a steel pole, then removed her bra, fashioned it into a ligature, and choked her to death. Okay, Jack, dude. With her own bra. You're not supposed to be beating her with that kind of pole. That's just, that's messed up, dude. No, seriously, I mean, I... I don't understand using someone's own clothes. Well, I, I do on a psychology level because it's, yeah. it's more de demeaning and degrading. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you use underwear or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's fucking sick. But think about it. He got it from Granddad. Oh yeah, totally. Is, I mean, he it's early in his life. He's living with Granddad, who's a pig. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's learning those lessons. Yeah. Well, I've been hit with a steel bar before, so you know. <laughs> hurt this one time when i was in jail i got hit one with time the rod. at band camp i got hit with the rod <laughs> whatever dude. i wanted to be popular <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> were you nancy were you popular yes I did they was. make you wear lipstick and shit didn't have to make me honey 
I'm so I know I still want to get some makeup on you. No, I'm not gonna. Dude, happen. I want to dress you up like a chick so bad. No, why? You know why? Why? I have a dick. That's why I'm not a chick. I'm not transgender. I for Halloween, against, it'd be fun. I got nothing against transgenders or anything like that. I'm just not one of them. But for Halloween, it would be fun. No, no I have a dress you can wear. It's the actually, I believe that the dress my mother wore for my wedding would fit you perfectly. Then I'm shaving my goatee off. I don't care. I hate all of you. <laughs> you look like I give a shit about that. Y'all should. I look like a fucking serial killer. I you, look like a, you look like Fester. I look like it should be being featured on our show. Yeah. Anyways, so two years later in 1976, he was arrested on the suspicion of murdering Margaret. And once he was in custody, he actually confessed to her murder. And he said that as he killed her, he had seen the face of his mother in her eyes. That's an excuse. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go talk bullshit. Yeah, it didn't take much to find him guilty before the court ordered the 26 year old to spend the rest of his life in prison. End of story. That should be, yeah, no, like, like for real. Yeah. The rest of your life nope. in prison, it should be the end yeah, of it. Yeah, not in the story. Um, after he was convicted for murdering Margaret, a Salzburger investigator by the name of August Schenner was sure that Untwiger had more victims. In fact, he had a suspicion that the guy was actually responsible for murdering a lady by the name of Marsha, I swear to God, Horvath. H-O-R- is, oh my God, that's awesome. V-A-T-H. Do you see the parallel there? In 1974. He's out fucking, he's got a thing against whores. He left whores in his wake, and now he's after a whore bath. Whore bath with a V. H-O-R-V as a Victor A-T-H. Fine. That's whore bath in fucking Austria. I'm going to take her to the whore bath. But that's her last name, shithead. She's my whore bath of love. However, yeah. since the killer was already in prison, serving a life sentence for killing Margaret... <laughs> Shanner wasn't able to convince his colleagues to file charges against the man and prosecute him for Marsha's murder. Because they figured he's already in jail for the rest of his life. Why bother? And then they said, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Right? I love that. That is like one of my favorite episodes. So while Unthwagger was in prison, he actually took advantage of the time he had to teach himself how to read and write. Then he spent his time writing. He wrote poetry, plays, and radio broadcast shows. Now, his radio shows became popular with children as well as families, and one of the shows was titled The Bedtime Program for Little Ones, The Sandman is Coming. That sounds frightening. I'm going to write a new podcast, and it's going to be Bedtime Stories by Scott for all you ladies. So right now... Bedtime Stories for Grannies. Oh, that would be even better. See, I'm a genius. Bedtime stories for grannies. Listen up, my sexy wrinkled mamas. They don't I've got like some that when you stories for you. <laughs> You're disgusting. I will peel those depends off, no problem. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> so it actually didn't take him long to actually establish a literary career while he was still in prison. He managed to write his own autobiography, which he titled Purgatory. And it that went on to become a bestseller. So he has this literary career on the outside while he's on the inside. Um, when he was still incarcerated, he Unthwagger uh, wound up becoming a darling with the media. He presented himself to them as the perfect reformed prisoner. As a result, the media even advocated on his behalf when he began to press when they began to press and lobby for his release. Hold on, I got to give a quote from our favorite person, Carl Pensram. He was reformed. Good and reformed. That's right. Because reform means change. So that's it. Good and reformed. He has learned to, let's see, 
what burn murder and uh and rape. rape to the bet you know by the best of them or whatever to the, i can't remember uh-huh. exactly Something like yeah. that. and how he had been taught by these religious men yeah um they even submitted so many requests that the justice system finally decided that just to release him so he Unthevegger was 39 years old and had served a little over 18 years of his sentence when he was released back into society on May 23rd, 1990. Oh, excuse me. So when he was released from prison, he wasn't even assigned a probation office, probation or parole officer, nor was he set up with a doctor to receive any sort of post-prison supervision. Holy shit. His freedom was completely unhindered, and that's when he made the decision to use the proceeds he had earned from his literary career in prison to relocate and settle in Vienna. Okay? Upon arriving there, he purchased a white 76 Ford Mustang about a decade too late. Um... I like hey. the 60s. I like the 60s. Okay, no, I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. So he managed to get a job as a part-time journalist, and he even booked several appearances on various television programs. While he was on those programs, he didn't have any difficulty showing everyone that he was truly that he truly was, quote, success story of the criminal justice system. Who can really trust Jack? <laughs> trust me, I didn't do it. He oh was God, even yes. appointed to a panel, which was established to discuss prison reform. <laughs> now, the handsome killer, because he was very good looking, developed a large female fan base. Reports indicate that he never spent a single night alone during that time. In fact, it was rare for him to spend more than one night with the same woman. Oh, my God, Scott. Oh, my God. I'm wondering if I'm related to him, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, much- Austrian, I don't think so. But maybe. Um, Anthemeyer had only been out of prison for four months when his urge to kill proved too much for him to control. That's when he decided to move to Prague, where he began killing women again. Um, his first victim was this time was a 29-year-old by the name of Blanca Bakova, B-O-C-K-O-V-A. She sounds like the Greek food that I love to eat. It's bokava. Uh, she worked as a shopkeeper's assistant. Um, her body was found later on the banks of the Voltava, V-L-T-A-V-A. I had to look up how to pronounce it. Voltava, yeah. Voltava River. Uh, she was face down and her legs were spread open and she had been strangled with her own stockings. Now, he went on to murder five more women in Prague. 39-year-old Brunhilde Masser. Oh, my God. I love that name. I'm going to read them all before I read the last, the other one. 35-year-old Elfried Schrempf. 23-year-old Sylvia Zegler. 32-year-old Regina Prem, P-R-E-M. And 31-year-old Heidi Hammerer. <laughs> That's a porn name. That's 100% a porn name. That's not a real name. Don't fuck with me like that. Like, for See, real, I remember I was typing this up yesterday. I said, I cannot even read this name out loud. Because it's not a real name. That's not a real person. That is That goes with like Linda Lovelace and... Uh, Cherry Love. <laughs> Cherry Love. Um, we always refer to Cherry Love. Yeah, because by now, she's probably a hooker. Or a she's probably dancing on a pole. Probably. That's, you know, when you name your child that, that is your expectation for them. <laughs> So for those of you who didn't hear the story, (laughs) and you hear us mention Cherry Love a lot, um, for a little while, that's like 20 years ago or so, 
um, I was doing cable line construction with one of my brothers uh, in uh, in Bend, Oregon. And we were staying in a hotel, and every morning I'd get up and I'd go over to 7-Eleven and grab myself a cup of coffee before we went out to whatever note or job site we were working at. And I hear this young, brand-new mother talking to the girl behind the counter. And I, I'm kind of oblivious to what they're talking about until she said, and then I named my baby Cherry Love. And my brain went, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> Cherry Love. Rewind. Let me explain something. If you name your kid something like Cherry Love, I don't care if she's the smartest fucking kid in the world. And, and like, uh, I don't want my attorney to be named Cherry Love because I'm not thinking she's defending me in court. I'm thinking she's coming in in a G-string. And like, you know, I just, I'm just doing this to get to college. the room's going to get dark and the, the disco light's going to come yeah. on and a pole's going to drop from the ceiling. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you, you gave that kid really two choices with a name like that. You got stripper or a few. You got stripper, you got porn star or hooker. That's it. Yeah. You set the bar low. Even you, you can't even work at McDonald's. But that uh, you walk up and hi, this is Cherry Love. How can I help you? No, no, you can't. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Or look, calling for credit. You you're, know, you're you're looking at your watch. No, look, it's nine o'clock. It's not beer thirty. I don't need a stripper right now. I need an egg McMuffin. And your name's Cherry Love. I'm not getting an egg McMuffin. I'm getting a stripper. That's right. See that? That's not same same. That's no no. Too early for that shit. Yeah, way too early. Now, um. Let's see. Um, his preferred dump site was in the woods where the bodies would be exposed to the elements and wild animals, which makes sense because it, it does, degrades yeah. evidence. Right, right. Yeah. So then um, in 1991, an Austrian magazine sent Unthwagger to Los Angeles, California, in order for him to write a piece on prostitution. Um, while he was there, he actually stayed at the infamous Cecil Hotel. Lucky bastard. And this hotel had achieved notoriety for being one of Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker's favorite places to stay. And I'm so pissed that in December last year, they changed it to low-income housekeeping. Yeah. Motherfuckers. We should probably still swing something. We probably could. Everybody's got a price. Yeah. Well, and, you know, maybe befriend somebody who stays there. Um, <laughs> what? Fucking junkies and crackheads? Dude, whatever. It's fucking like literally. So you have to do is give them 20 bucks. They let us in. I don't want to know what they have on their couch. I didn't say we would sleep in their room. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> Anywho, so um, he didn't let being on another continent stop him from satisfying his murderous urges. While in L.A., three of the area's prostitutes were found murdered. They were 35-year-old Shannon Exley, 33-year-old Irene Rodriguez, and 26-year-old Peggy Jean Booth, who also sometimes went by the name Sherry Ann Long. Okay. Okay. So by the time he stepped foot on U.S. soil, his killing ritual had evolved to a much darker level. For instance, all three of these women were found to be brutally beaten, sexually violated with a tree branch... What the fuck? And garroted with their own bras. He likes the brondilio, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for the tree branch thing, that's kind of akin to William Bonin. That is akin to, yeah. It, that's it, definitely very Bonin. That almost tells me he was having trouble getting it up, but still wanted to violate them somehow. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. He also left all of them with the signature knot he used to secure the bras around his neck. Uh. Around their necks. Excuse me. 
Um, before the authorities could even suspect he was responsible for the murders, he had left Los Angeles. That was not the case with law enforcement officials in Europe as they had started to combine forces and share evidence amongst the agencies. And with the help of Interpol, investigators were able to identify the similarities with the Blanca Bakova case in Prague. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Now, unlike the murders Untwire committed in Austria and America, he'd left no discernible physical evidence at the scenes in Prague. Despite that, Blanca's murder in 1990 had provided the authorities with a critical clue. His car had broken down, so he had sold it for parts. Okay. Investigators located the vehicle at a garage in Linz and searched it. During the search, they were able to find a hair from both Untwagger and Blanca on the seat. So, there you go. wonder what kind of hair it was. Just curious. Sure, it wasn't a short and curly. Well, you never know. True. Ball hair, twat hair. He didn't hair. say pubic hair, but he did say hair. So, during the inve- murder investigation, he felt it best to leave the country again. So, he and his girlfriend fled, and they wound up in Miami, Florida. Not Jacksonville, <laughs> but Miami. You're getting closer. Closer. So, while he's on the run, Success Magazine actually contacted him, and they said they would pay him $10,000 for a, quote, on-the-run interview. Uh, little did he know the entire offer was merely a setup to capture him. Uh, yeah, the magazine edit- editor informed the police that Unthwager would be picking up the advance publisher, the advance that the publishers were paying him on May 28th. Then he gave them the exact location of the USA Money Exchange in Miami Beach, where they had arranged for him to receive the payout. Now, when he arrived to pick up the cash, the authorities swooped in to arrest him. And at the time, since they didn't have enough evidence to arrest him for any murders, U.S. immigration officials stepped up to detain him. And they, had, they actually had a valid reason since he had entered the United States on a tourist visa without disclosing he was a convicted felon. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Um, once he was in custody... The L.A. Police Department was hoping they would be able to prosecute him first for the three murders he committed there. However, they ran into some issues due to the backlog at the forensics labs who had to process the DNA evidence. So in, since Austria had their case ready, the authorities there extradited him back before American authorities were able to press charges. But herein lies the issue with that. The state of California had the option to seek the death penalty, whereas Austria... Did not. Because most European countries seem that they don't have the fucking death penalty. Wise up. Start killing them. Yeah. You have less fucking problems. Now, when it comes to court trials, the justice just... What is that country that murders them for shoplifting or cuts off their hands or whatever? Oh, it's an Asian country. Yeah. Um, It's... um, God damn Philippines? might be the Philippines. I think it's the Philippines. Oh. So when it comes to court trials, the justice system procedures, and I'm going to kind of like um, defer a little bit because I want to explain something here. Um, So court trials, the justice system procedures in Austria are totally different from those in America. Um, In order to understand the significance of Untwiger's trial proceedings in Vienna, we must understand the court procedures. Um, For instance, if anyone in the United States faces criminal or civil charges, no matter the circumstances, they have certain rights. For instance, one of those rights is the choice to take their case all the way to trial. Mm -hmm. Some have the option to choose whether or not their trial will be a bench trial, which is presided only by a judge, or a jury trial. Now, 
In the U.S., if someone chooses to have a bench trial, there's only one person listening to the testimonies and going over the evidence. If they opt for a jury trial, both the prosecution and defense interview and select the jurors out of a large group, and the jury selection process is complete. The jury consists of 12 active members and four alternates. Now, all of the testimony is presented. They break for deliberation, discuss what they heard, and then go over the evidence that was submitted on both sides. When all is said and done, those 12 individuals are the only ones who are involved in determining someone's guilt. Now, there are no guidelines regarding the individuals selected, and if 12 jurors are split 6-6, it's considered a hung jury and a new trial is ordered. In Austria, the regional court level are only, trials at the regional court level are only held if it's been determined that the court can claim original jurisdiction over the charges. Then, typically, these trials are only bench trials there, okay? So, one professional judge determines the outcome. However, there's some exceptions. There are some cases that are pertaining to employment or social assistance laws. They're tried before a three-judge panel, and one of the judges has to be a professional judge, and the other two are considered lay judges. But the lay judges not only assist in determining the verdict, but they're also the unbiased expert witnesses appointed by the court. Gotcha. Okay. Then, in all other civil cases, the parties involved can request a trial if the amount in dispute is in excess over of 100,000 euros. These trials are decided upon, again, by a three-judge panel. Um, if it's a mercantile law case, two of the judges on the panel must be professional, the third being a lay. Any other case, all three judges have to be professional. Now, in a criminal case, uh, there's three different types of trials. There, there's either a three-judge panel, four-judge panel, or a jury trial. Um, now, the majority of criminal trials are held before a three-judge panel, and one judge is professional, two are lay judges. If it's uh, for aggravated robbery, manslaughter, rape, pertaining rape, or anything pertaining to a terrorist organization, financial crimes with damages in excess of a million euros, or abuse of official authority, the individuals try between a four-panel judge, and the fourth judge must be a professional. Um, if they're charged with murder, actual terrorist violence, or armed ins- insurrection, which is government rebellion, they will be tried before a three panel judge a three-judge panel and an eight-member jury um all the members all the all the all the judges on the panel must be professional and if the eight-member jury is split in their decision four four all the charges are dismissed and the person can go free jesus christ yeah (laughs) so this and then there's also um certain criteria that um if it's for a sexual assault or a serious violation in someone's sexual integrity, one of the judges on the panel must be the same sex as the victim of the crime. And if it's being tried in front of a jury, a minimum of two of those eight jurors have to be the same sex. And if it's a juvenile offender, one of the judges has to be the same sex as the defendant. And one of the other judges is required to be a competent social worker or a former educator. And if it's a jury trial, a minimum of two members of the jury have to be of the same sex and a minimum of four are required to have relevant employment experience. Isn't that weird? I mean, I think it's great, but you lost me out of uh, after fucking professional lay judges. (laughs) Anyways, I'm just trying to tell you that the process is like it's got to be ludicrous over there. 
Because you have to see what their profession it's is. so fucking complex. It is very complex. For no death penalty? Come on. Yeah, for no death penalty on top of that? Yeah. Jesus Christ, Austria. So that being said, Unfiger's trial in Vienna began on April 20th, 1994. And this trial was historic one for Austrian justice system. It was the first time DNA evidence was used during a murder trial. Now, during the trial proceedings, one of his uh, defense lawyers um, observed later that, uh, well, he made a remark about something he observed, that day after day, the defendant didn't seem to be affected by the photographic evidence that was presented to the jury. And mind you, those pictures were extremely graphic in nature, which doesn't surprise me. Really? No. We've seen defendants over here fall asleep. So. Yeah. You know, they don't give a fuck. Um, when the trial proceedings, I'm like almost done. Only have like a page and a half. When the trial proceeding rested at the end of the day, Untweiger would tell his lawyer he could tell which members of the jury were on his side and which members weren't. And every day he would have a different outcome. He even chose to deliver the closing arguments himself. <laughs> he didn't try it himself, but he closed that <laughs> argument himself. You don't even give closing arguments over here yourself. You're so stupid, yeah. Fucking stupid, man. So the jury returned with their guilty verdict verdict on June 29th, 1994 at 9 p.m. Before four and a half minutes? I don't know. It didn't say. Oh, now, say. it's important to understand that it was at 9 p.m. Okay, that's kind of significant here. Because that's awful late at fucking night for a jury yeah. to be. But, um, and then his attorney remarked later that he could visibly see Antwager shrink inwards when he realized he was headed for another life sentence he could not escape from. And he immediately set, out, set about filing an appeal. Then... Six, approximately six and a half hours later, at 3.40 a.m. on June 30th, 1994, the guards were doing their routine cell checks, and they looked in on him. They discovered he was dead and hanging from his cell. He had used his shoelaces as well as the string from his shorts to tie a noose with his signature knot to commit suicide. Oh, took the pussy way out. Yeah, we saw it with Shipman. We've seen it with a lot of them. Yeah, we've seen it with several. Even, well, even, well, oh, no, even no. Israel Keys up yeah. in Alaska fucking killed himself. Yeah, that's yeah. slid his own. That was <laughs> graphic. But yeah, it's just. Although I don't really care, you know, for a country that didn't have the death penalty, we still got his death. True, let's save that taxpayer money. Yeah, I just. He should never have been let out. I agree. After that first murder. But, you know. I already said my piece on it. Somebody always knows how to play the system, right? That is true. That I is never true. did, but somebody does. I did, but God somebody else Criminals. <laughs> I was good at it. <laughs> Easy there, inmate. Female inmate. Get it right, bitch. That's right. Negative female inmate. Negative female inmate. <laughs> Affirmative. Shut up, Scott. <laughs> but that's all I have on Unwiger. See, I did it pretty quickly did. when I didn't have all your side comments and interruptions. And, I was being a good boy. And your little fucking tangents and shit. See what we can get done. I when can't you shut help your mouth. myself going off on tangents. And here's why because we hit things that strike a nerve with they me. They do. And we hit things that we can relate to. Right. Well, like like starving the babies, you know, for Monday's episode. That struck that a nerve. That's tragic. Yeah, that's, that's mega fucked up. You know, then the outcome of, of the very little time that Miyuki uh, Ishikawa had to actually spend. Oh, yes. 
four years. Yeah, four whole years. Ooh, and then two years for her accomplices. It's it's, it's ludicrous. Yeah, it's absolutely. They should have been beheaded. They should have been starved. It's yeah. It's, shit like that pisses me off, man. Yeah, me too. It was disgusting. So I gave my piece on this jack off here. Yeah, you, you said see what nurture. I did there. I agree, this Jack. Yeah, off. jack off. Yeah. Yeah, I got Be- it. Because uh, this is total nurture, man. Total nurture. I mean, you're watching Grandpa fucking bang hookers and being taught at an early age to, to devalue women. Yeah. You know, um, and it could have gone either way. Like, if if Granddad would have devalued um, uh, just other people in general. Yeah. Like, uh, like let's say, or, other guys. Or devalued children, violated him. He had grown up to be a pedophile, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I believe that, yeah. too. It was easy programming yeah. right there. But, yeah. It was just like he had no chance, you know. Obviously, his mother didn't want him. And right. From then on, nobody did. Right. He didn't have a chance, but he did have a choice. Yeah, true. And he made the choice. But that who, he did. at the age of sixteen, is out there pimping? Well, I guess if you're taught that women should be used, it doesn't matter. Huh? Man, when I was sixteen, I was pimping out the hoes. I mean, you didn't have sex till you were twenty. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm done. All right. Remember, you can send us an email because we have one of those email addresses. I love that blank look. No, I'm waiting for you to give it because you're like, send us an email. Stopped. <laughs> if you don't know our email address, damn it, figure it out. No, That's right. Kidding. Figure it out yourself. It's Brutal Nation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Let's see. Check out the website at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Uh, check us out on Medium, Crime Beat that's on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Blog, blog, blog. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we look forward to hearing from you all. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.